Beste ervaring. You are listening to That Digital Show, a business podcast presented by Google Cloud to help organizations innovate and grow value in a digital world. Episode 55, How Botify is Transforming SEO with AI. In this episode, we'll hear how Botify is helping drive more traffic and revenue by applying machine learning and artificial intelligence to improve and reinvent how companies perform SEO. Welcome to the Transformation Debrief. I'm Chris Hood, a digital strategist at Google Cloud and your host. In each episode, we aim to stir visionary thinking and share unexpected insights on transformation initiatives and lessons learned along the way. Botify is an enterprise software company that delivers end-to-end SEO management solutions for both traffic and revenue growth. Founded in 2012, Botify customers include some of the largest retailers, publishers, and marketplaces in the world. On a monthly basis, Botify analyzes over 4.3 billion pages, 61 billion search engine requests, and almost 1 billion Google queries from over 150 countries. And on average, their customers are seeing a 20% increase in website traffic and 584% return on investments. Today, I'm joined by two incredible guests from Botify, Pierre Cousy, the Chief Technology Officer, and Robert Rothschild, the Chief Marketing Officer. Would you both share a little bit about yourself? Pierre? Hi, Chris. I'm Pierre. I'm the CTO for Botify. My background is mostly cloud. I spent a few years in Microsoft at the very start of the Microsoft Cloud initiatives, trying to understand how customers would react to those new opportunities. And then I spent a few years in AdTech in Criteo, a French company listed and IPO'd in 2013. And that was back to on-prem. We basically had tens of thousands of servers that we operated ourselves did a quick jump into cryptocurrency business with Ledger, uh, which was half cloud, half on-prem, and back in full cloud mode when I joined Botify. Thanks, and Robert? Thanks, Chris. I'm Robert, and I'm the CMO. I started my career about 30 years ago working in digital advertising at the dawn of the internet for an agency that eventually became Digitas, uh, one of the largest digital marketing agencies in the world. And then I transitioned into tech, B2B tech marketing primarily, originally with Oracle and then eventually SAP, where I spent the latter half of my career split between Silicon Valley as well as the East Coast of the United States. Most recently, before Botify, I was at a ad tech company called Smartly based in Helsinki, Finland, focused on the paid side of advertising. And I've been here at Botify for about six months, uh, switching over to organic search. So we like to start off these shows with one question to ask both of you. What was the most transformative role or decision in your career to date and why? Pierre? So on my side, I switched from a purely individual contributor tech role to management when I joined Criteo and I had the opportunity to grow an engineering team from 120 to 650. So every single process had to be reinvented several times because you can't scale in the same way at those different sizes. And that has been the most transformative experience in my life, uh, professional life for the past 15 years. Robert? It's a really good question, Chris. I would have to say for me, the 
the beginning part of my career from a B2B tech perspective was focused very much on large enterprise companies like SAP and Oracle. Uh, probably the most transformative experience for me was while I was at SAP, we had acquired a smaller uh, enterprise class e-commerce company called e, uh, called Hybris out of Munich, Germany. Smaller company at that time was about 700 employees, which is still bigger than Botify. But at the time, I was going from 150,000 employees down to 700 employees. And that was my first experience transitioning into a fast growth startup environment. And um, that eventually led me to Smartly, which led me to Botify. And I'm never going back to the big tech again. I'm sticking with the fast start growth companies again. I love that. So one of the really unique pieces of our conversation today is that you both sit on relatively opposite sides of an organization. One of you is in business, marketing, the other is in technology. And what we tend to see is that these two sides sometimes don't necessarily communicate well with each other. So I'm curious from both of your perspectives, how is your organization structured so that you're ensuring business is influencing what technology needs to do and how technology is delivering what business needs? If I try to understand the relations between CMO and CTO in many companies, the main issue you have is you feel a bit disconnected from the business point of view in the technical trenches because you have other concerns. And what I experienced in Botify was super interesting. Turns out our customers are quite often on the marketing side of the company as well. So it's been a first for me where my concerns, products concerns, just echo Robert's concerns on a day-to-day -day basis. And this has been unique for me because now I'm aligned with my CMO by default. I don't have to think about it. The values of the company and our customers just align the same way. That's funny you should say that, Beer. I think um, I think we think alike when it comes to that. So um, I, I would say both here at Botify and most of my experiences prior to this, I've always had an opportunity to focus on the same audience that I actually am. So I'm, I'm selling to or marketing to marketers, um, which quite honestly is a little bit of a challenge. Um, we're, we're often the toughest critics out there. Um, but if I think about our customers, and we, we, as Chris mentioned in the intro, we deal. Pro we are most of our customers are in the retail e-commerce sector, and if you think about the way that our customers, uh, what the transformation that has happened within our customers' lives since the pandemic has hit, um, there's been a massive acceleration um, in the transition towards online, um, uh, the online selling aspect of e-commerce. So. That's a bad way to do it. <laughs> um, so, Pierre, it's interesting that you say that. Um, throughout my whole career, or at least the latter part of my career, most of the audience that I've been work, I've been marketing to have been marketers. It's, and the challenge with that is we are often the, the toughest critics when it comes to kind of uh, addressing them. But I would also say, if I really think about what's happened over the last two years that we've all been going through from a, since the pandemic, um, our customers who are primarily retailers and e-commerce companies uh, have really seen a massive shift towards their website being the digital storefront. It's no longer about the physical store. It's about the combination of the physical and the digital store on the channel commerce overall. Um, that is nothing new. It's something that's actually been here for quite some time, but we saw, we've seen a massive acceleration in the last two years. So where that comes to play with 
you know, the CTO versus the CMO is oftentimes with our customers, the team that's responsible for managing and helping to um, uh, influence the overall experience for customers online, oftentimes is part of the engineering team. It's part, it's, it's under the domain of the chief technology officer. So as a CMO, um, it's, it's, it, you, the, the decisions that you want to make around in, uh, enhancing that overall experience for consumers on the other end is often not in your direct control. It actually might be part of the domain of the CTO. So although Pierre and I work together incredibly well and, and our, our objectives are the same, um, that's not always the case with some of our customers. So we, we try to help bridge that gap. One of the things that you touched on there was very interesting. You talked about how you're basically marketing services to marketers. We often call this transformational type of approach an outside-in perspective, where we have to look at what our customers' needs are and then fulfill those needs from an outside-in. Typically, technologists always have this inside-out point of view, where they want to design technology to solve a problem without really understanding what the customer really wants or needs. How are you taking that approach in defining some of the technologies that you're working with? So on my side, what, what's important there is the fact that the data we create or we provide uh, was two years ago accessible mainly through an application that we provided. Hence, the isolated mode where we basically know what's best because the, the consumption of the data is going to be done within the app. And what has evolved since is we've seen more and more the data that we provide flowing into other systems. And now we bounce into the marketer's territory on the other side, at the customer's side. And this has been uh, quite illuminating for us because the way we envision the, the data we create and we provide has evolved in those last two years a lot. And I know, uh, Robert, that you will have something on that one as well because it's been on both sides. I absolutely do. And, and it's it goes back much further than two years. There has been a revolution happening amongst consumers for many years where the way that they are engaging with brands and retailers is no longer being dictated by the by the retailer or the people that are trying to sell to those consumers. Um, when you talk about the inside out versus the outside in approach, Chris, I just think about buyer driven sales processes. It's it, it's uh, the way that consumers, whether it's in the B two B space or the B two C space, engage in the their overall journey towards a purchase decision is completely transformed. It's completely transformed over the last decade or so. And um, that is a significant uh, challenge for marketers in every industry to be able to adapt and stay agile and, and, and understand how to not interrupt that process, but how to make sure that you are an integral part of the purchase decision um, that each and every, every consumer has when they're searching for something online. You're talking about transformation and your primary products focus around SEO, search engine optimization. And SEO in itself is transforming. So not only are we seeing transformation across multiple industries and everybody who's trying to build a website and get exposure in the ways that they need to maximize their own profits, now we are also seeing SEO itself transform. 
How are you looking at that at Botify? Chris, I, th- I think SEO um, is an interesting industry. Um, and it's, it's, it's obviously been around for quite some time. Um, that being said, the internet is growing larger and larger by every second, right? I mean, the amount of content that is being created every moment of every day is massive and it's exponential. And the ability for all of the search engines, Google included, to keep up with that um, information is incredibly challenging. Um, I would say the, tr- the biggest transformation that I'm seeing in the industry from an SEO perspective is the addition of the overlay of artificial intelligence and machine learning on top of the data, right? So uh, historically, um, most SEOs uh, invested a significant amount of time in, in sourcing data, analyzing what was happening on your website, and coming up with what is their overall search strategy. Right. How do how do I adapt the content that's on my website in order to improve the probability that consumers who are searching for something will come to my company versus my competitors? Um, that's an incredibly time-consuming process, and quite honestly, it's something that as the level of data is the, as as the volume of data increases, it becomes much more challenging for, if not impossible, for SEOs to keep pace with the analysis and determining what those recommendations should be. So the power of AI and machine learning um, is that it enables SEOs to focus their strategy on the things that are truly working, things that are almost invisible to them because the data is so massive, it's impossible for them to see the patterns. You know, they're, they're finding the signal and the noise becomes incredibly difficult when you're dealing with the kind of, with the volume of data that we're talking about here. So uh, the combination of AI and machine learning has, has really provided a tremendous uh, productivity enhancement for SEO overall. And I think the next piece of that is when you layer in automation. So uh, ultimately at the end of the day, you, no matter how great your strategy may be, you're still dependent on people to actually execute those recommendations. But automation um, is about to introduce the capability to, um, to, to implement those changes automatically without relying upon human intervention. And that will just free up SEOs to focus on much more strategic activities. Anything to add, Pierre? Uh, I, uh, I had the same two items in mind, but in the reverse order. Uh, first, because I'm tech, so I have a tendency to focus on what's doable right now. And the big value I see in automation is twofold. The first one is, of course, it pushes the burden from the customer to us, meaning that uh, you no longer have to battle internally to get changes done once you know what you have to do. And that's the side uh, Robert was mentioning. But the other one for me is more interesting than that, and it's as soon as things become automated, you can do, redo, and do, try something else. So there's a huge path for exploration that was simply non-existent a few years ago. Automation brings you the ability to test. And that's when machine learning comes into play. Once you have that shiny tool with the ability to do what you want in a matter of hours, now you can apply more strategies and see what you get out of them. And to me, the big unlocker right now is automation. Uh, but again, my tech perspective on that one, I guess. 
I wouldn't say that's just a tech perspective though, Pierre, because I think about that from the business point of view. And if I think about performance marketing, it's all built on the idea of being able to, to continuously test, learn, and iterate, and do A-B testing over and over and over again to, to replicate the lessons learned that have been successful and to, to improve your overall performance. That's something that my SEO teams and the, the SEO teams of our customers have never been able to do before um, the advent of automation as part of this equation. Um, Ultimately, no matter how great a recommendation you might have, if, it's t if it takes you weeks or months to actually implement that recommendation, by the time you implement it, it may be a moot point. And um, the, the lessons that you may have learned are no longer relevant at that stage. So being able to uh, implement a change rapidly, see what the impact is, and then, and then leverage AI and machine learning to, to optimize that performance over time is a tremendous advantage. Um, for marketers in the, in the industry. On that optimization, and specifically with your customers, do you have stats? Like, for instance, you know, we, we look at transformation, and for an organization that is trying to increase their profit margin online or in their digital presence, they're going through this process, and you talk about automation, and we've seen it with other Google customers, how automation can improve those cycles. But what's the stats that you see at Botify? Are you seeing rapid improvement? Are you seeing slow improvement over time? How are you using automation or maybe machine learning to increase that process for your customers? So that will be on my side, I guess, initially, because we provide the data. Uh, and I would mention two important KPIs that we always look at when dealing with a customer. The first one is the evolution of what does a search engine see from your website, which looks like an obvious question and an easy one to solve. Turns out that when you actually look at the figures, you will discover that the largest websites get 25 to 30% coverage, meaning that 70% of the website has not been visited before by a search engine, so it won't be found, period. So one of the KPIs we always have in mind for big websites is how much did we gain? What's the percentage of your website that's, not, that's now accessible from a normal search by a human? Uh, compared to what it was a few months ago. And the second one is what's the, what's the exact outcome of a change? Something that we did a year and a half ago was give customers the ability to gauge the impact of a change. And let's assume you get all of those tons of recommendations that you get from normal agencies, SEO people, everyone. You get a bunch of, this is what you should be doing. But before going to automation, there's an, an, an important factor, which is what's the expected gain? And the first thing that we got from machine learning was the expected gain of a specific change. So when we try to automate, we focus on the biggest gain and the two KPIs we have in the end are what's the total change we've seen, and that's basically the efficiency of the process, and the other one is what's the impact of a specific change. And those two KPIs drive how we basically chat internally about the product, uh, because it gives us, one, a measure of success for the customer, 
Uh, being more visible means more landing clicks because you will have search results. And the second one is how big is the improvement when you don't automate, when you are just at the beginning of this process, of this journey, we must guide you through the most Im impacting change. So these are the two angles I, I, I use on a daily basis when chatting with, uh, with Robert and, and, and the product. Botify's primary objective is to help your customers grow and transform. I'm oversimplifying it, but I'm going to say that's the general preference. I'm going to take this back inside. And Robert, you mentioned a little bit ago two words, data and people. So I'm curious if you're taking some of these same concepts, looking at the data, understanding uh, what people need, and applying that to your own organization, how does your culture influence how you help your own customers transform? It's interesting. Um, Botify has, uh, has an incredibly strong culture built on a set of core values. And I, I would say the one that resonates most based on the question you just asked me is learn fast and progress faster. So it's very much in keeping with what Pierre mentioned regarding our customers and how they can adapt and, and improve their overall performance based on um, AI and machine learning. But when I think about it from a culture perspective and how we're applying it internally, uh, we as a marketing organization need to be very in tune with um, our consumers and our customers and, and how they are adapting in the marketplace. So we, we take a very much of an experimentation approach with marketing um, internally at Botify. So they're, and it's incredibly data driven. So that is another transformational aspect of marketing that's been prevalent over the last decade or so is everything that I used to do maybe 10 years ago or beyond, um, although it was somewhat data driven, it is nowhere near the level of data-driven. Um, there's the, the level of data-driven marketing that's occurring now is significantly greater than it was back then. So um, I don't, as a matter of fact, I, I, was, in, I was attending a, uh, a symposium led by Gartner last week, and one of the analysts mentioned that digital is no longer a differentiator. And I thought that was a tremendously provocative statement and they, they did as well. And the reason for it is that every organization is digital first now. It's not, it's not a, it's, it, that's where you start from. So it's table stakes at this stage. So especially when I think about the way that I as a marketer and Pierre as the technology leader of Botify operate, um, there is no way that my organization can be as effective as we are without a very close alignment between technology and marketing. And every single decision that we make about how we invest um, marketing budget and marketing resources is based on performance. It's based on how well are each of the campaigns and the tactics and the activities that we're executing within market performing um, against the alternatives that we have to pick and choose from. Uh, there's no way that that can happen without data. Um, and the people piece of it, is incredibly important as well. So uh, I would say I've seen a shift from more of a specialist to more of a generalist role over the last, probably the last five to 10 years, I would say in, in that regard. Um, there, there's a much greater value placed in marketing individuals who have a more broad spectrum of experience. 
so that you have the ability to understand how the overall strategy and the execution of the strategy that you're putting in place impacts other lines of business, um, not just from not just the marketing uh, team itself. So let's continue on with what you just said, which was very interesting. I agree. Every company is a digital business, or we could argue every company needs to be a digital business due to how we all engage with the things all around us today. Botify is 10 years old, and you've seen some transformation over the last 10 years. What are some stories that you can share with us in terms of how Botify might have looked at digital technologies 10 years ago versus today? Botify 10 years ago was built with a single goal in mind, which is be able to do at scale what other companies were doing for small websites. And basically, this has been the start of the journey in Botify and the ability to basically explore a site of tens of millions of pages was from day one the goal of the company. And this has been a strong differentiator for the first years in Botify. Now that we are moving into the full digital space, this is granted in Botify right now. Uh, so what's changing? What's the new perspective? How do we see the business evolving and what does it mean for the company? We are no longer focusing on scale because we nailed it and that will be a focus for many. Basically, when your site is growing, your first issue is just to handle the load of having 10x products, users and the like. But the next one will be how do you pilot? Once you have that machine and the ability to do, what do you do with it? And that challenge for us very specifically was going through automation and what we described before. But for other companies, you will still have those two stages. One, you need, you need to nail the fundamentals, and this is what we've done. And two, once you have your toolkit, what do you do with it? And this is, in my mind, the, the profound change for many companies around us. They don't know exactly how to go from now to the next step because the path has just been done right now. Hey, Pierre, I think I might want to add to what you just said. So I agree. Um, from the very beginning, Spotify has differentiated itself in the marketplace based on our ability to scale, especially with extremely large websites. There's very few uh, players in the market that can perform the way that we do from a scale perspective. Um, one thing that I'm seeing significantly impact the way that we go to market today, however, versus 10 years ago, um, is the role that um, players like Google and the Google Cloud Platform play into this, um, in, into, into our business model as well. So in order for us to scale as a business, and in order for us to enable our customers to scale to that significant volume and at that scale, we need to work with partners like you. Um, so uh, if I think about the relationship that we have, Botify and Google, uh, yes, we're a customer, but we're also a partner of yours. And collectively, uh, from a technology and a go-to-market business perspective, we both perform better when we work together, right? So I think that that's something that is unique in the last um, year or two um, that would not have been something that we would have considered 10 years ago when we started the company. Yeah. 
and I would still add something more to that, which is valid not specifically for us, but for everyone. And you were talking about the data. If you go back 10 years in the past, the data was inside the company, and that data was accessible only to the company. What we have seen in the last 10 years is the ability to tap into other companies' data stores. And how do you manage this? I was doing uh, B2B uh, analysis on data transfers uh, for Microsoft uh, 10 plus years ago. And it was a super complex setup where both companies had to align on many things before any data would flow. And what has changed is now you just push to the cloud and then it's accessible by the next company. And that is a huge change. And basically, I forgot about it because it feels natural in Botify. But for many companies out there, remember that getting your data in a central location accessible from everywhere is super simple when it was quite complex. And the volume of data is no longer an issue, and it used to be. So, Pierre, you know something that you just reminded me of? I also, about 10 years ago, I was still at SAP, and this was still in an on-premise world. We weren't in, cl in the cloud world yet. Um, but what, I, what you reminded me of is one thing that I can do today that I could never do 10 years ago, and it's because of the cloud, is if I am looking at the universe of customers that we have in a particular industry, let's say retail, for example, here, um, because all of our customers are, we, because, because of that collective, because of the cloud, we are able to analyze and understand how one customer is performing in relation to all of the others in the same industry. So that gives me the ability to provide unique industry insights to all of the big box retailers in the US, for example. Um, something that in the previous world, when everybody had the data within their own company, you could never see that. And even today, those big box retailers are unable to compare or benchmark themselves against their peers. Now, I can do that in a completely anonymized fashion without disclosing any sort of trade secrets to one another. But at least I have now have the ability to help customers understand how are they performing in context to their peers in the industry and what can they do to improve their performance overall? Yeah, it's really amazing how the cloud has completely transformed the availability and the accessibility of data. Before, in my previous roles, I've been in similar situations where I needed data and it wasn't available until tomorrow. And now I can get it in real time. So just in general, the cloud and obviously Google has helped so many organizations find ways to accelerate the understanding of what's happening to their business, to make those decision opportunities. I was talking to somebody else recently and they said they have a system of reality, not a system of record because they looked at a system of record as being something that was old. The system of reality was something that was real time and right now. And I think that's fabulous to think about it in that type of context. So I know we're almost out of time, but I wanted to give you both an opportunity to maybe ask me a question. Is there anything that is pressing at Botify that you want to talk about? I'm curious, Chris, what your thoughts are on the next chapter in consumer privacy. So I think there's a lot that's been 
that's been mentioned in our industry around uh, data privacy, consumer privacy, where it's headed. Um, and I know that Google's making a lot of changes to help protect consumers and their right to, to protect their data. Um, but where is this going next? That's that's. I think if you were to ask me what keeps me up at night, I want to know. I want to know how I can help my customers prepare for the future and prepare for a world where it's vitally important for consumer privacy um, to remain um, to remain intact. Yet allow marketers like myself um, and and our customers to be able to react in real time um, to that system of reality. Um, in order to drive uh, drive a meaningful experience for those consumers. So wh wh what are your thoughts on where, where consumer privacy is going next? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's probably a question that I have to be careful how I answer. But I will say, you know, the industry just in general, internet, connectivity, privacy, as you stated, uh, is going to become very interesting. We're looking at a cookie-less world, Right where there might be less opportunities for organizations to better understand what consumers are doing. But at the same time, I think we're seeing a lot more in terms of personalization. Even though people are concerned about privacy, we see more often than not that people are willing to share their own information, their private information, if they're given the opportunity or if they see value in how that's being returned. So as we start to think about things like personalization or opt-in for certain types of data points, I think we're going to get a lot more interested or the industry in general is going to become more interesting in how we capture those personalized moments, how we can recognize what you want to opt into and not opt into. And I think the more we dive into artificial intelligence and machine learning to process some of that personalization, then the privacy aspects of it may not necessarily go away. We're just going to be able to fine tune what we can and can't do more accurately. And I would say that over the course of the next five years or so, invest more in some of these personalization models so that you can really fine tune what people are willing to share or not share really interesting answer, Chris. Um, if, I, if I think about the way that, that we at Botify look at this, um, I think we're getting back to a true value exchange in, in, in both the consumer and the, the seller. Um, to, that, that nothing comes for granted. I can't assume that, that, um, that you are willfully giving me access to data without expecting anything in return. Uh, and I think that's a really interesting transition. One of the things that really sets us apart, I think, is 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 really the idea that most of those uh, insights that we glean are in, in, in from an organic search perspective come from access to first party data or even zero party data. Right? We're not relying as heavily on what people are searching for across the whole internet. We're 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 analyzing and making recommendations based on what. Uh, searches are happening on your specific website. So we're, we're enabling and equipping our our customers to be able to better react to the to the intent and the actual searches that are coming from their customers themselves. So, and that's true value exchange. Um, you have to think about it that way. Absolutely. And if we go all the way back to how we started the conversation, an outside-in perspective, if you understand what the value your customers are seeking, then you're ultimately going to be able to transform into a business that delivers 
that value and receives business value back for yourselves. Pierre, do you have a question? I can share with you the questions I ask myself every day and one of them is super specific. We used to have a system where computing was on-premise then we and data was on-premise and then we moved to a system where data is everywhere and easy to get basically. Computing moved from the data center, the traditional one, to the cloud. And the next transformation is going to be computing at edge, basically, the ability to be closer to the actual human being, and that's useful in many situations, typically machine learning scenarios use it a lot. And one of the things I'm super curious about is how is that going to appear or to develop within major cloud offerings? because we are going to use it more and more as we target more human people on a day-to-day -day basis. We want to be close to them. The distance in milliseconds between the human and the code has to go down as much as we can, and we can't rely on the, on the end-user machine, uh, notably for privacy reasons, but for many other topics. So, so that's a question I ask myself, not every day, but basically almost every month. <laughs> it's a great question. And I would challenge you to think about it maybe slightly differently. Not how is it going to be processed, but maybe where is it going to be processed? And you talked a little bit about the edge, but let's go beyond that. The reality is, is that we are touching devices everywhere. So it's, can I capture the right type of data on my television set, on my refrigerator, when I wake up in the morning? All of these devices that we engage with on a regular basis, connected devices, whether it's my smart home, my smart car, my smartphone, my tablets, my phones, my wearable devices, all of that data has to be a mechanism by which you can reach and understand what your consumer is doing. If we take a basic customer journey and we look at you know, they're coming to a website, they're searching for something, they find something, they engage with something. That's a basic flow. But we know now that those journeys start before they search and after they finish completing the transaction. And usually those transactions are happening on different types of devices. So yeah, edge computing and other types of technologies are going to help us with that compute and data in real time, faster, but we also have to start thinking about it on every single possible location that somebody is touching, and that can also appear digitally inside a brick and mortar location, as well as on a digital platform what, that they're engaged with you know, on a daily basis. So start thinking about just everywhere and you know, beyond omni-channel, and that, I think, is where uh, we're going to see some very exciting transitions happening over the course of the next five years. You know, Chris, one of the one of the big challenges with that from a marketer's perspective is one thing we no longer lack by any stretch of the imagination is data. And the, the volume and the permutation of that data is only accelerating and increasing um, exponentially. Um, I think one of the greatest challenges as a marketer is how to how do you understand how do you translate this wave this massive tsunami of data 
and and convert that into actionable insights to understand what are the buying intent signals that that are predicting what consumers are going to do next. I think that one of the advantages of AI and, and machine learning right now is the ability to to take this massive quantity of data um, that is beyond the scope of human uh, comprehension and be able to sift through it and come up with predictions and, and relevant recommendations that then humans can act on. That's something that I haven't seen uh, really come to fruition. It's a little bit of a dream for most marketers that will eventually get there. Um, but I do see that we're right on the edge of that happening right now. So um, it's and it's more important now than ever, because as you said, there, every single device that you interact with is providing some sort of a signal that can uh, influence, that can help uh, retailers and brands and e-commerce companies understand what consumers are thinking and what, how they're going to act next. Um, but uh, until we had the advent of AI and, and machine learning in place to do this, and uh, the automation that's going to follow shortly thereafter, it's been incredibly difficult difficult to take action based on those on the data that's out there. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's so many things that I would love to dive into you with that, but we're just about out of time. And I do have one final question for both of you. And that would be over the course of the next three years, what are your personal goals when you think about transformation? Robert? My personal goals for the next three years from a transformation perspective are the same that they've been the last three years and the three years before that, which is always to remain curious, to never assume that I know everything, and to constantly challenge the people around me to, to think the same way and to behave in the same way. Pierre? That was a good one. My view for the upcoming three years is basically to push into one specific direction, which is machine learning was initially static analysis, basically. Now it's becoming real-time exploration. The next step I want to achieve is have it auto-tune on specific behaviors. And that's something that's doable within Botify. And that's exactly what I want to see happening and what I want to realize in the next few years. Well, thank you both so much for being with us today. Thank you, Pierre. Thanks a lot, Chris. That was super interesting. And thank you, Robert. Thanks, Chris. I really enjoyed that. If you would like to learn more about Botify at cloud.google.com transform, we dive deeper into this transformation journey. And don't forget to hit subscribe and join us again for more visionary thinking and lessons learned on the next episode of the Transformation Debrief.